Hello and welcome to episode two of the Vault Report Show. I'm assistant managing editor Ryan Sylvia, joined by managing editor Noah Taylor. And before we get started, I do want to say thank you guys for the feedback on the first episode. We saw those requests come in for trying to get the show over on iTunes and Spotify and other platforms like that. We are working on it, so thank you for your patience. But right now we are just on YouTube, but rest assured, soon enough you will be able to listen to all of our shows over here at Vol Report on the Rivals Network uh, on your favorite streaming platform. So thank you guys for, for the feedback. We appreciate it as always. Thank you for listening. But without any further ado, Noah, let's jump right into it. In less than a month, Tennessee football will be taking the field for the first time in the 2023 season as they head over to Nashville to play Virginia. We'll talk about that a little bit today, but more so when we get closer to that day. Today we're going to be talking about fall camp practice that began on Wednesday. Me and Noah have been to all the practices since then, including this morning. And so we wanted to kind of run down our thoughts on what we've seen. So we'll start with you, Noah. I'll pass it over to you. What has been your biggest takeaway from the, I guess, about four days of practice we've seen so far? Yeah, I go back to, to earlier this week. Um, I know if, if you guys have been watching any of our two-minute recaps of practices this week. We've talked a lot about depth. We've talked a lot about, you know, year one compared to now going into year three with, with this team under Josh Heupel. And that, that's kind of a big takeaway because Josh Heupel was asked this week, does this look like an S, more of a, like an SEC program, an SEC team, than it did three years ago? And he, he gave a resounding answer. It's definitely a yes. I think he even asked us. Yeah, he should be asking us that question. Yeah. Um, but it, it, is, it does. When you go out there, there's definitely a different vibe to it. You look at the size, the length of this team. The depth obviously is there, especially on the defensive side, obviously on the offensive side as well. But when you look at these guys, the veteran players uh, look big. They've been in the system a while now. But even when you go out there and you look at the freshmen, and I think we've talked about it every day we've been out there, Ryan. You know, Khalifa Keith, uh, running back, he's guy looks like he's sec ready you know uh arian carter a big time recruit in this class we talked about him yesterday after practice another guy that that just looks the part now it's gonna be different if whether or not they're mentally ready for that that's what fall yeah. camp is for that's what the new this next season is going to be for for those guys but you look at this team and you go out there at practice and you can't help but be impressed with not just the numbers but the way they look the way they kind of handle themselves out there on the field and the, the coaching staff seems very positive about it and i, and I think they should yeah, I completely agree. It's funny you mentioned the running back room. I was talking to Dan over at Volwire uh, earlier today at practice, and we were remarking we saw Khalifa Keith, a freshman running back. And we were like, God, that guy does not look like a freshman physically. Like he is huge. Cameron Selden is huge. You look around the room, Chendavian Bradley. Just there's a bunch of guys that are true freshmen, just graduated high school, and God, they look massive. Which is something you couldn't say about Tennessee's roster a few years ago, as you said. I'm curious, though, is there a position group that has stood out to you so far as in like maybe the linebackers, the defensive line, the secondary or a group on offense where it's been this group is massively improved, maybe two deep or three deep compared to maybe when Josh Heupel got your last year? I think I'm going to start with the receivers on that um, just because today got a good look at those guys. And obviously, as, as our listeners probably know at this point that you only get to see so much as the media um it's a pretty quick period so we, we don't know what goes on after we leave but the, what we do get to see um 
man, Dante Thornton, we just talk about size. Now, he's a guy that has experience. He's a transfer. He's, he's played at an elite level of college football. But, you know, 6'5", a guy that's going in there running, running the slot. Um, Brew McCoy, obviously, can't say enough about his size, what he brings. Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton. We, we talked to Josh Heupel this week about Ramel Keaton, about what the hours he's put in. You know, kind of gives you shades of Jalen Hyatt and what he did last year. We know what those uh, all those extra hours in the, in the facilities kind of led to for him. It led to the Bolitnikoff Award. It led to him being one of the most prolific receivers in program history. And I think guys are kind of doing that as well. Ramel Keaton's one of them that, that's trying to emulate that. Um, and then Chaz Nimrod's another guy. Nathan Leacock, you know, who looked impressive out there today and some of the stuff we got to see. So obviously receiver, and I think that's always going to be the case under Josh Heifel. I think that's always going to be the case that where offensive guys, there's going to be a lot of depth there, a lot of skill set, a lot of a lot of things you can work with um, on offense. But I think the linebacking core is is a big one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot lack of depth there. Another thing that was talked a lot about this week, where that position group was in year one to where it is now. Now you've got your leading tackler back in Aaron Beasley, a guy that's kind of they said yesterday, kind of coming out of his shell now as a leader because he's getting more attention, not just because he's a senior, but because of what he accomplished on the field. And he's expected to do that again. You bring in Keenan Peely, who we have a story up right now on, who's expected to to make a a big impact as a transfer. Aaron Carter, we mentioned, uh, Caleb Perry. I mean, you could go on with the linebackers and just the depth they bring back there, the experience. Elijah Herring, a guy we talked to yesterday. So I'd say defensively, I'd go with the linebackers. That's a group that was really struggling in year one to have some depth, and and now they just look like they've got – some experience up top. It's still a young group, but they've got some experience in, in the two guys in Peely and uh, Beasley. But you got to be really impressed with what you bring back in the underclassmen group as well. Yeah, we'll shamelessly plug your story over at VolReport.com. <laughs> Make sure you guys go check out Noah's story that he just published right before we hopped on to record this over about Keenan Peely. Really interesting stuff about the transfer from BYU. But I think you hit on it. The depth is a big part of it is that they have all these talented freshmen, sophomores coming in that are ready to make an impact immediately. They might not be the starters. They might not be on the field for every snap, but they're going to get a lot of in-game experience, which I think is huge as Josh Heupel progresses. And in a a lot of minds, and in my mind a little bit as well, this is almost a little bit of a transition year, not in the fact that I think they're going to go seven and five or anything like that, but you are transitioning from those guys that stuck around in the Prude era, those guys that you immediately – uh, were able to bring in when you got the job to your recruits. All the freshmen on the field right now are obviously Hypo's recruits, and they have another good recruiting class coming in next year that are his guys. And as he tries to transition into next year, where Nico is probably going to be your starting quarterback, I think it is really important that you get guys like Nathan Leacock and Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod, uh, just to name receivers, a bunch of experience. Or on the defensive end, you have guys like Joshua Josephs, who's probably going to be your your two-string uh, Leo behind Roman Harrison, but he's going to see the field a lot. And I think he'll get a lot of experience doing that. And it'll be really important going forward where next year, maybe he's called upon to be the starter. Well, he can draw back on this experience he gained from this season. But I want to talk about quarterbacks a little bit. Obviously, Tennessee's in a little bit different of a situation than a lot of other teams at this point in the year. If you look at Alabama, if you look at Ole Miss, if you look at Missouri even or Auburn, you don't know who your starting quarterback necessarily is right now. You have ideas. You're probably leaning one way or another, but it at least hasn't been publicly announced for for a handful of schools in the SEC who that starter is. At Tennessee, there is no question about it. It's Joe Milton the third. 
He is your starter. He will be the first guy on the field for the offense when we get to week one against Virginia. How has he kind of looked to you in practice? And then maybe touch on, of course, his backup, Nico, as well, and, and how he's looked as he prepares for his first college season. Yeah, he, he looks about like, I think, what we expected expected him to look like. I mean, he's he's the leader out there. I mean, he's a guy mm-hmm. that, that's been talked about a lot this week, and he will be. I mean, especially at the first week of fall camp, uh, everybody's kind of zoned in on, on what how he's kind of adapted to, to being in a, in a new spot. You know, you go back to 2021, uh, he wasn't here for the spring. You know, Hendon Hooker was because he, he was he committed to the last staff, the, uh, the yeah. Pruitt. But you didn't have Joe Milton here, but you saw the size, you saw the athleticism, you saw the experience, and it was kind of believed that, well, he, he may have the edge in this quarterback battle. And sure enough, he gets the start in those first two games. The rest is history because we know what happens in the in that middle of that pit game, Hendon Hooker comes in. But you, you look at it, the, the whole storyline has been how he's adjusted to this new role. And he, he, from what we've seen, it, it, he definitely looks the part of a starting quarterback. You know, um, throwing the ball, he looks very, he looks very comfortable in what he's doing. He looks very relaxed out there. You can see Joe in, in situations hanging out with other guys in the middle of re- or in between reps, and and just looks very relaxed, very poised. Um, so I mean, that's kind of been the biggest takeaway of us. So, we won't get to see him scrimmage or anything. I, I think mm-hmm. they have a scrimmage coming up next week. Um, we won't get to see those kind of things, but. Uh, the parts we do get to see, you know, there's the simple drills and, and just how he interacts with other guys at practice. Um, that's kind of been my takeaway on him is the clear cut leader just by the way he acts. Yeah. I think you hit on it. He just looks relaxed out there. It's not a cocky type of confidence by any means, but there is a very clear confidence emitted from Joe Milton at all times, which I think, I mean, we've heard other players even say it. I think Jacob Warren said it at uh, SEC media days where you see Joe Milton that calm and that confident in his skill set, and it starts to rub off on the entire team. And it's a different type of leadership style than Hendon Hooker, but it's not necessarily any less effective. Uh, so the team really looks to him as a leader, and he very, very clearly is that so far. And I mean, stop me if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but from a pure athletic skill set, massive arm, pure physical talent, I mean, I really think it's hard to find anyone better in that from that standpoint in college football since maybe like Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. I mean, Joe Milton's throwing the ball about 90 yards. And it looks like a flick of a wrist. He's I mean, you just see that practice. We haven't seen him throw many deep balls, but we've seen him run those intermediate dig routes and comebacks and curls. And he's just been on the money today. I, we only saw him throw probably about 10 balls total, but I didn't see one that wasn't just essentially perfectly thrown yeah. i'm not saying he's been perfect he's not no one's a perfect quarterback but from what we've seen in practice it looks like he's dialed in he's accurate which has been the biggest issue with him and with that skill set i was just talking about that it's just so rare to see especially from a kid in college i mean the ceiling is really there's no limit to it and i think we could see a big year from him I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I'm not saying he's going to be a first round pick or maybe even necessarily a a day two pick in the NFL draft, but there is just such a clear, clear ceiling for him. That is just so, so high that I think it's, it's tough to not get really excited about what he possibly can do in this upcoming season, but we'll, we'll move on. We've also had the opportunity to talk to some coaches, uh, Alec Abel and tight end coach, Brian Jean-Marie, linebackers coach. 
and then a bunch of freshmen as well. I want to talk about those freshmen and maybe some of the sophomores, not all of them are, are true freshmen. They've handled themselves in a way that is kind of rare to see from kids that young. It, they seem very, for lack of a better term, like media trained. They come in and yeah. they seem very composed and, and like they've done it before. And it, it's kind of rare to be able to get that access to freshmen and, and young guys this early in their careers. But they seem like they've handled themselves really well. Has anyone from a way that they've carried themselves and talked to the media stood out to you that we've been able to talk to this week? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I think this morning we talked about that as well, uh, us and some other media members. I mean, it's been a really cool kind of unique point of view to get to get all these guys. Um, because, you know, some, some coaching staffs, and, and we've even experienced it here you know, on the Tennessee beat with other coaching mm-hmm. staffs are kind of afraid to put those guys up there. Um, I think it kind of speaks to maybe that the kind of guys that, that this coaching staff goes after, Absolutely. Um, they, they do an excellent job of uh, kind of giving us access to, cause I mean, it's, it's new. I, I think you, this week I'll plug another story, a Ryan Sylvia story here on Rodney Gardner. <laughs> there was a lot of questions about how guys are, are transitioning to Rodney Gardner and his, and his tough love approach. And we've heard a lot about that. He's a guy that's been in, in the SEC for a long time. Um, so it's kind of well-known and well-documented around this league about how Rodney Garner's coaching style is. And naturally, a lot of guys want to know how a freshman has handled that. And, you know, those guys are just, they're, they're very, you know, very complimentary of that, of that style. They don't seem to shy away from it. They understand why he goes after them the way that he does. Um, so that's been really impressive with, with the way that they've handled that. But um, just to name some guys, I mean, Elijah Herring was a guy obviously in the program last mm-hmm. year, but you know, we got to talk to him yesterday and he just, he handled that really well. Um, I, I was really impressed with kind of the more we got to talk to him, the more he opened up about his brother, Caleb, who yeah. uh, is, is a freshman and, and transitioning to this level uh, that he was in the 2023 signing class and just kind of their relationship and how they're handling that together. Um, Aaron Carter, I'll mention him again, you know, another guy that we got to see for the first time yesterday and that, that's another thing. This is their first time talking to the media in this kind of way. We, we didn't get them on media day, obviously. So um, they're handling it really well. And I, I've just been really impressed with, with, with their answers and, and just the access that they've kind of given us because we talk all about depth with this team. Well, that, that's where it starts. And um, they're, they're getting to come into a, a, really, a really good period for Tennessee football. Yeah, Elijah Herring admitting to us that his younger brother, Caleb, is physically a little bit bigger than him at this point. Obviously, Caleb over on the defensive line, so you'd expect him to be bigger. But you could tell it kind of cut Elijah a little bit that that his little bro was, was bigger than him at this point. Well, he said, I'm still a big brother. There's no reason. But yeah, Elijah was was a great, a great guy to talk to yesterday. But you took the words right out of my mouth. I think it speaks exactly the type of guys that Josh Heupel and that staff recruit, which is guys that are smart, frankly, guys that carry themselves well, are good kids, and Josh Heupel's honed in on those guys, and their maturity already seems to be paying off, as Chandavian Bradley talking to us says, yeah, I like to be yelled at a little bit, because it motivates me, it's how I like to learn, so just that type of maturity that not maybe every 18-year-old on the planet has, uh, could go a long way for Tennessee, but we'll look back out on the practice field, kind of putting you on the spot a little bit here, but is there anyone that maybe you didn't expect to stand out that that's caught your eye, whether that's a freshman that you didn't think would 
already be playing at this type of level or if it's an older guy that you think is taking the next step? Obviously, we, we like you said earlier, we haven't seen too much. So it's, it is tough to answer those questions sometimes because it's not like we're seeing them scrimmage each other. But I'm still curious if there's anyone that, that stood out to you. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'll, – I'll start with Khalifa Keith, I guess, in, in the running backs room. Um, that's a guy, you know, in the spring we heard a lot about Deshaun Bishop and Cam Selden because they were here. They were early enrollees. And, you know, Dylan Sampson kind of had to lead that group because Jabari Small, Jalen Wright were, were very limited in the spring with injuries. Um, so Khalifa Keith is a, is a new arrival, and I think he's adjusted really well. From what we've seen, like you said, um, a guy that's out there that – looks the part and uh, it seems to be seems to be adjusting well from, from the small periods that we get, the small sample size that we have uh, an older guy that I, I expected to contribute obviously because they went to the transfer portal to get him. But um, I'm really excited about McCollin castles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you are too, Ryan, cause I know we've talked about him, but um, I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but just, just seeing mm-hmm. him out there, you know, being the way he's kind of adjusted. I know another guy that was here in the spring as well. So that obviously helps. But a guy I think is going to make a huge impact in that room alongside Jacob Warren. We saw how massive uh, that position was last year with Princeton Fant, the way the way Josh Heupel used him. And I think that McCollin Castles has shown a little bit of versatility as well. You know, that running back room, it, it's crucial that they have all this depth. I mean, you look back to last year, they try to bring in some guys, maybe some don't work out, and they end up a little a little thin on that running back room. It really was just a four-man room. Obviously, Justin Williams, Thomas leaving to go to Stanford this offseason and, and the year before as well, where they were just kind of bad tie on Evans, but he, he was only healthy so often. They, they were kind of thin in that running back group. Right now, they have a really good mixture of obviously two very veteran players that have been there, done that, and are expected to have phenomenal seasons in Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. But now you're also looking at a group of young guys in sophomore Dylan Sampson, that trio of freshmen in Deshaun Bishop, Cam Selden, and Khalifa Keith they all look like they could come in and very quickly make an impact. So that is definitely an area of growth that is great to see for Tennessee. But I'm going to I'm gonna answer my own question. I'm going to cheat a little bit when I answer it, and I'm just going to talk about all the transfers here. That whole class is really impressive, what they've been able to do and what we've heard about them from other players. You touched on Castles, a guy that, that I think we're both pretty excited to see next year. Should get a lot of play time, obviously. Tennessee likes to run those those 12 personnel schemes a decent amount with two tight ends on the field. He's a guy that when we talked to Alec Ablin, he said, you know, sometimes I don't even feel like I have to coach these young guys because they do have two true freshman tight ends that, that need to obviously be taught. He says, before I can even get over there and correct them on a mistake or give them some advice, you see Jacob Warren and McAllen Castles talking to him. And I think that that's a, a pretty cool thing that even though he's a transfer, it's his first year, he hasn't played a game for Tennessee yet. He's been able to use uh, his experience previously in college football to, to coach some guys up. And then you look over, you talked about Keenan Peely earlier. In your article you just wrote, uh, he has a good quote where he says, I don't feel like a newcomer anymore at this point. When I got here, yeah, I felt like everything was new. But at this point, it doesn't feel like that. And you can see that out there on the practice field as he's starting to take that leadership role. And, and obviously he's an older guy, but I think uh, you, we talked to all those linebackers like a Jeremiah Tellender or Jalen Smith, these true freshmen. And they say that that he's a great leader. They have a lot of respect for him, and and he's done a great job out there. Uh, you look at the wide receiver room, Dante Thornton. Uh, he doesn't seem like maybe a vocal leader that's rallying the troops by any means, but he looks impressive out there, and, and he looks like he's done a good job. And another guy that kind of 
demand demands respect just from what he's done at his previous stop at Oregon and what he's kind of projected to do this year. So they bring in a, a decent amount of transfers this offseason, and all of them seem like they fit in really well in our poise to, to really contribute, which is all you can ask for from a transfer class. So that is pretty exciting for Tennessee football. Let's talk about Josh Heupel, though. Uh, we we got to talk to him twice this week already. Obviously, uh, team media days on Tuesday, and then he joined us to kind of recap their first day of fall camp on Wednesday. Do you have any takeaways from what Josh had to say to the media? First, I'll apologize for all the coffee sipping going on here. They, they've got <laughs> us getting up early for the uh, early practices, which we like because we get. I'm, I'm right with you. So yeah, yeah, we get we get a little bit more of our day to enjoy, which is nice. But uh, <laughs> we do have to get up early. Uh, but yeah, no, Josh Heupel, it, it's, it kind of goes back to the first thing we talked about on the show. Um, just the difference. I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's ever panicked. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's ever gone up there and we've been like, oh man, he, he doesn't, I don't really believe in what he's saying, or uh, he, he may not believe in what he's saying either. You never get that vibe from him at all. You didn't get it in year one. Um, I think that's why players resonate with him. I think that's why there's been a lot of success here, obviously, in a short amount of time. But you do see a little bit of a difference in the way he talks to guys. It feels genuine. And when he talks about the depth, when he talks about the leadership, when he talks about the way they approach. I mentioned Ramel Keaton earlier, but he's just an example of, of, of stories we've heard this last week of guys that are just putting in the extra time. Uh, there, there's been a little bit of success. These guys have tasted it. you got guys on this team who've been a part of, of some rock bottom years here yeah. at Tennessee and and now they've got a taste of that. It just seems like there's a lot of eagerness there. And uh, we'll go back to what we said about the guys he recruits, too, and the way they present themselves. I think he goes out and gets guys that, that share that same vision. Uh, we'll plug Keenan Peely again. He said in that story that the culture and, and, and you know, kind of the goals that, that this coaching staff wants is what drew him here. It's why he wanted to spend this season here at Tennessee. Uh, I think the guys feed off him. And I think when he speaks to the media, which he has this week twice, like you said, um, you kind of get that feeling from him that, that what he's saying is, is 100% true, that this team is intentional, that this team ha- has kind of a, a focus on where they want to be. And, and they have they have the numbers now to, 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 to do that. And they have plenty of reason to be optimistic they can do it. Yeah, uh, you, you hear that from a lot of incoming guys, whether it's from the portal or whether it's fresh out of high school, that the culture – that Josh Heupel has built really speaks to them. They, they can tell that he's a real guy, essentially, that that he's he's a straight shooter. He's going to tell you how it is, but it's also going to be a fun time while you're there, while you're also putting a lot of hard work. And I think that appeals to a lot of guys in this day and age, that there is a, a nice and healthy balance. My biggest takeaway from what he said is that he's still hungry. A lot of coaches, if in year two they went 10-2 and two in the regular season – won the Orange Bowl, knocked out Alabama for the first time in forever, went to LSU and whooped the Tigers in Death Valley. A lot of guys would be, I feel like, kind of still living on on the glory of the past year. And, yeah, we had a great year. But Hype will be the first to tell you, yeah, we accomplished a lot, but there's also a lot of goals that we didn't accomplish. You heard all season last year, yeah, we want to play in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Yeah, we, we, want, to, we want to do this and that. And – while Tennessee had a great year, they didn't accomplish those goals. They fell short in Athens and weren't able to play in the SC championship game. And then your attention kind of moves over. Well, if we can finish strong and, and take care of business, we'll probably still well, – I don't know how that happened. But um, 
Let's see if I can fix that really fast. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but that will uh, be able to to make a playoff, and obviously that didn't happen. Well, Hypel is hungry. The team's hungry. They're not settling for their past experience and their accomplishments. They're ready to keep pushing forward. But that was my biggest takeaway from what Josh Heupel had to say. Just want to touch on a couple other things before we wrap up today's show. The first one being we got a glimpse at maybe who some of the starters are going to be for Tennessee. And I just wanted to, to quickly get your thoughts on those, Noah. Of course, we saw the offensive line uh, of everything subject to change. want to say that it's the first day of fall camp. You're not uh, locking in stone who your guys are going to be for week one. But in the offensive line, we saw John Campbell at one of the tackle positions and Jeremiah Crawford on the other end. And then we saw veteran Ollie Lane and, of course, Javantes, Javantes Spragans, who's not a surprise over at guard. And then at center, Cooper Mays. At wide receiver, that first team featured Brew McCoy, uh, Brew McCoy, Squirrel White, and Ramel Keaton. Quarterback, obviously, Joe Milton. Jabari Small, the first guy at running back. But he split reps with Jalen Wright. And then at tight end, first guy was Jacob Warren. But obviously split reps uh, with Jalen Wright on the defensive end. It, it was pretty much what you'd expect, especially at linebacker. We saw Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely, Beasley at will, uh, Peely at Mike. Defensive backs were a little strange. We saw some Andre Turrentine, uh, maybe not exactly what you said, no Jalen McCullough. But was there anyone in that group that kind of surprised you that, that they were in that first rotation? Uh, and, and did anyone kind of stand out in that group? Yeah, I, I think Jalen McCullough not being in the in the first rotation was was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, it, that day, um, to the first day of fall camp, we kind of saw him breaking down the team uh, at, the, at right when they go take the field, and, and obviously a, le- a leader on the team, a guy that's played a lot of football here. Um, was a little bit surprised though to not see him out there with the first team. He was rolling with the second team. Um, I think offensively. It was, like you said, kind of what we expected and kind of what we're probably going to see a lot of because we saw a lot of it last year, especially when you consider the running backs. You know, you're going to see a lot of rotations between uh, Jalen – or, uh, sorry, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. Um, the tight ends, same thing. Receivers with Scroll White and uh, Dante Thornton. I, I think you'll see a lot of those guys kind of going in and out. There's not going to be a lot of significant uh, stretches where just one guy's on the field. Um, but – yeah, I, I'd say it didn't really surprise me what we saw. We had a, you know, a depth chart that we released or a projected depth chart that we mm-hmm. tried, you know, took a stab at. And I've gone back and looked at it and compared it to what we saw on day one. And um, that not a ton of differences. I know that there's going to be some things that need to be ironed out, especially on the offensive line. You, know, you talked about that tackle position. You bring in John Campbell, an experienced guy that played at Miami. That, that'll be one to keep an eye on. But other than that, I, I'd say pretty much everything surpri- uh, didn't surprise me. Uh, but we'll, I guess we'll learn more. We've got, like you said at the beginning of the show, we've got, you know, less than a month now between now and Virginia. And, and as we get closer, maybe things will change a little bit. But uh, nothing nothing really stands out too much right now. Yeah, uh, it seemed pretty, for the most part, predictable what it looked like. Nothing too big of a surprise. And as we both said as well, obviously a lot of things can change from now until September 2nd when Tennessee travels to Nashville to play Virginia in Nissan Stadium. Last thing I want to ask you, Noah, put you on the spot a little bit again on today's show. Let's get you a season prediction after one week of fall camp. What's that record looking like? Maybe who's a loss that people should look out for? Maybe an upset that Tennessee is going to pull out. 
Yeah, uh, I think last week I, I went with 10 and 2. I, I said the schedule was super manageable. Um, now that we've seen these guys just in person and up close, and again, not enough to be able to, to tell you exactly what they're going to look like, but just the, just hearing them talk. I mean, say what you want. It's still the preseason. I know a lot of people are not big fans of polls or predictions at this point, but when you get to be up close to a team and you get to hear these guys talk, it does kind of, it does kind of, you can kind of feed off of their confidence too. And may, but I, I went with 10 and two last week. I've, I think I've been with that pretty much all off season and I'm going to stick with it. Um, I, I really like the way the schedule works out. I like the experience that comes back. I do not see this offense taking a step back. I don't know that they'll put up the exact numbers they put up last year. That, that's going to be tough for any team to do. But I do not see a big drop-off on this offense at all. And I think the defense can only improve. We, we've seen step-by-step improvements from this team where last year you had games like Kentucky or LSU where they looked really dominant. Then you had games like Alabama and Florida where they weren't great, but they were good enough to win, and that was fine. And you, then you had the South Carolina game. But I see the defense only improving from here with the depth they got, uh, with the experience they bring back. Sticking with that 10-2 and two prediction, um, if you, I mean, if I had to pick a game that that maybe getting overlooked a little bit, uh, I, I think you could kind of go back and forth on – there's some obvious ones. Florida's a big one, you know, because it's in Gainesville. Uh, and, and that's been a tough place for Tennessee to play for about 20 years now. But I, I'm going to go with Missouri still. I, I went with that one before. Kentucky is, is another obvious choice, I think. But Missouri's one I, I don't think is getting enough talk. That's um, a team that should have a little bit of a chip on its shoulder considering how bad Tennessee has beaten them the last two years. But I still feel comfortable with them winning that game. Uh, and I, I like the 10-2 prediction. That could change week one uh, when we have the overreactions. But <laughs> – after the opener, but uh, I, I'm going to stick with 10 and 2 still and, and another New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I've been stuck between 10 and 2 and 9 and 3 for a while now. And maybe I'm getting caught up in that kind of confidence that, that we've seen emitted from a lot of the players when we're over at practice, where, I mean, it, it's tough not to, I guess. But slowly but surely, I feel like I'm starting to lean 10 and 2. Maybe that's just that preseason hype. You're just itching for football and, and getting more confident and confident. But yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll stick with ten and two right now. If I if I had to pick one, we'll get more deep into the intricacies of the schedule and, and everything that goes into it probably next week. But as of right now, after fall camp, myself and Noah Taylor over from VolReport.com are going to say Tennessee ten and two next season, which I think every Vols fan should be really happy about if that is what ends up happening. But that'll do it for us today over at the Vol Report Show. Make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel and head over to volreport.com for our written content. We've had a lot of good discussions over on the Rocky Top forum as well. So head over there. Links to everything is in the description. So make sure you guys go down there, check everything out. I'm telling you right now that you need to be over at volreport.com. If you want to stay informed heading into the season, we're pumped up over here. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.